Hello and welcome to Finding Peaks from the studios of Newville Digital in downtown Colorado Springs. Uh, I'm Jason Friesman, uh, Chief Clinical Officer here at Peaks Recovery. And to my right is Madeline Padilla, Admissions Specialist. Uh, having uh, her back is just a great privilege, actually. I thought our conversation last time um, went so well that I could not wait to have you back here again. Um, and, you know, interestingly, you know, we do have some time before the show where we get to chat and um, really where, where our conversation has left off or maybe where it's ended and where I'd like to pick it back up is just, um, Madeline, for you to kind of talk about what, what is addiction? Sure. sure. Um, yeah, Jason. So I think our original topic was about being young and recovery, you know, speaking more like on clinical terms of addiction as a brain disease and stuff like that. But then um, I think something like more real and more personal to me is the actual etymology of the word addiction. And it actually comes um, from ancient Rome, <laughs> ancient yeah. Rome, um, a person that has an unbearable weight in society they can self-impose into slavery to pay that debt off. Mm. Um, and that's what addiction means to me. It's a form of self-imposed slavery. And then if you take it a little further, um, the word adico, which is, if you look into addictus deeper, it means like to sell out or to abandon self. Um, and I think that's relevant too. Yeah. yeah. Why, why did the the origin of those words, or of the word addiction, why does that resonate so strongly with you? Because I've, I've been there. I've felt like I've been enslaved to something that my whole life um, revolves around. It, ju it just feel, it makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting listening to you talk about that. I had, I had somebody maybe similarly recently ask me, like, what is recovery? Like, what are you recovering? And it, and it gave me pause for a minute. Um, and really, the, the best answer I've been able to come up with, and maybe you can help uh, expand my answer a little bit, was um, what you recover is access to yourself and access, I like to say access to your gut, where you can trust yourself again yeah. and that it's not going to be misleading you anymore. Oh, I love, I love that. Do you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Get, getting in touch with what you've always known and what's always there. And this is so contradictory to some of the conversations um, that are had, kind of an old school stuff. Like you, you don't know what's best for you. You never have. All, all of your best thinking got you here. And I, I don't think that's true. I think we just have pushed away what we know for so long or buried that intuition um, and lost touch with that, absolutely. And I think it is a recovering that um, that deep knowing yeah. of what's right and what you can do next and what you're capable of. And yeah. Yeah. Good. And I, I totally agree with you. And, it, and that to me is such, it's just so much better than like shaming people to be like your best thinking got you here. Like pretty much calling people an idiot, right. I guess. And I, and I just really do prefer that. Like you just lost, you fell out of relationship with yourself basically. And that's what you get to recover. Right. And I think that applies both for addiction and mental health. Like I think both, create kind of a, a schism maybe in people's relationship, yeah. frankly, with themselves wow. and knowing themselves well enough. Right. Yeah. With that as kind of the intro, um, 
talk to me about kind of some things that you're hearing lately on the admissions line with families. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we were talking about this before, Jason. I hear this a lot, and I'm sure I've said it at some point too, but this idea of we just want our son or daughter back. We want them the way they were before. Yeah. All of this happened. The drugs came into the picture, the substances. We want old Jimmy back. But old Jimmy wanted to get out of his experience and his body so badly that he resorted to drugs and alcohol to do that. There is no going back. There's no going back. Yeah. And I, I want families and I want people in recovery to look at this process as a transformative experience. And yeah, as you can take it wherever you want to go. Um, it's not, it's not a limited experience. I think it's a limitless experience. And I, I think we can change the dialogue. I, I'm excited to see who you'll become through this process or after this journey or along the way. I think those um, are more encouraging. I think they're more helpful things to say than we miss the old you. Because I, I know I didn't miss the old me. Hmm. I did not want to go back. I was scared to death that my life was just going to be the removing of substances that I needed to cope, and we were gonna go back to the way things were just without my substance of choice. And that wasn't the case at all. And just to summarize what you're saying, basically, like even before um, the substance use starts, like obviously something is still not going very well. Like something is broken or you're having a difficult time. Uh, but I do think like there is that, that thought process of like, um, I, I want my kid back or I want my yeah. loved one back. Um, and what I hear you saying too is like, well, well what preceded the addiction in this mm -hmm. case was just frankly a lot of misery. Yeah. Like where do you think the addiction came, came in? Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. And I, I just think too, it's discouraging for people to hear that because they, they can dream bigger than what was before. Yeah. That's all. It's, it feels limiting yeah. and it feels restrictive. And that's the opposite of what this is about. Yeah, I totally agree. When people enter into treatment, especially like young adults, mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of conversations with families about how um, when the substance misuse started, that's usually roughly where emotional development arrests. Yeah. Like people, if they Hard start- stop. Yeah. They, they right their their development stops because like their body continues to grow and develop they're mm -hmm. they're now 24 years old or whatever but emotionally they are stuck mm -hmm. at age 15 whenever or 16 or 18 whenever they lost control of their substances mm -hmm. um and i and i think you know i would tell parents like okay maybe when when your loved one enters into treatment into recovery, there's, there's maturity issues, there's a lack of development, there's usually a lack of life skills, there's all of these things that are lacking. But if your loved one goes on um, this journey, uh, not only will they kind of catch up emotionally with their cohort, but oftentimes they'll, they're kind of moved past their cohort because they're gonna have to do so much work on themselves and so much uh, um, introspection and so much uh, processing of traumas or whatever that like they actually are gonna you know come in at a 24 year old acting like a 14 year old and leave as a 25 year old yeah or when they're 25 they're gonna be mature beyond their years oh, yeah. that's been my experience that's 
Yeah. 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 I think that it's like this, this recovery process too is like, a, I, it feels like alchemy, you know, like you take mm. rocks and dirt and stones and crap or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then you can, you transform those things into something of incredible value that yeah. you may not have had before all of the substances appeared in your life. And so I don't know. I just, I think that it's an opportunity, a huge opportunity. And I think the language around it, we can make it feel more expansive, mm. I think, and just more open. Do you have any idea what that language would be like? Like how do you, what, what language do you find to be constrictive? Maybe that's the theme today is just talking about language. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it comes down to open-ended questions. Mm. I think it comes down to what who would you like to be? Yeah. How could I support you getting where you want to go? Where do you want to go? Like mm. those are really good questions. Yeah. Who do you want to be? Or maybe I'm not sure who you are right now. So you saying that does also remind me um, of how, like when clients come in and they begin to make these significant changes, mm -hmm. finding that meaning and purpose mm -hmm. is so difficult, I think. Because like you, like you said, asking those open-ended questions to me leaves all of these openings for people as they are walking out of, as they are entering into recovery and kind of mm -hmm. um, defining their new self instead of going back to their old right. self. How? It's such a difficult thing. I used to describe it like this, that like um, the removal of substances or difficult mental health issues, it leaves this big blank mm -hmm. slate. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, you're so right, Jason. And like, that's the ground floor, but mm. it's amazing. That's when you can see, you can survey everything and become the engineer mm. to, to a life that's, that's worth being present for. That's like the best vantage point for you. Yeah. How do you, can you speak to that? Like, was there a moment where you could see that for yourself? Where like, okay, I can see that I can begin to make a life for me that isn't my old self. I think pretty early on, I realized that it was going to have to be pretty radical. Yeah. There was no... There was no way to go back because I couldn't feel like that anymore. So, so then I started asking people, how do you not feel like that? Like, what are you people doing? <laughs> what should I do? Um, and people gave me a lot of guidance. Like, this is how I did it. This is how I did it. And I think you just, you kind of find a way forward through that. Um, I think it was pretty apparent right off the bat, things were never going to be the same again. Yeah. Yeah right off the bat. But I was also ready to release that. I was like ready to move forward from that and take big, big risks, big risks to get different results. What do you, what do you think your family went through as you were sorting these things out? Mm. I think it was hard, hard for them. It was really hard for them. I, I cut them off through a lot of my treatment. I, I did the old revoke the ROI. This yeah. is my favorite move, right? Like <laughs> I, I'm mad or I'm frustrated um, or I'm feeling vulnerable even, mm -hmm. or I feel like something's going to be taken from me. So I'm going to pull back on what I can. And sometimes that's all you have is an ROI. You know? <laughs> so I, I would revoke that all the time. Um, 
I didn't want to get into sessions with them a lot of the time. It was really hard for them. I think they were just waiting with their fingers crossed. Like, could, mm. could she actually pull this off? Will she actually make a difference? But they also know that I'm very all or nothing, that if I'm going to do it, I want to do it all the way. So I'm sure after the first 30 days of being in treatment, they started feeling a little uh, calmer about yeah. <laughs> my process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, mm -hmm. an ROI is a release of information. So That's basically right. the thing you did was to say... You don't uh, get any information. You get nothing. Nothing. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to disappear. Yeah. Okay. It's like terrorism. It's like emotional <laughs> terrorism. You know, I mean, you get nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think you gained from grabbing that control? Mm. A sense of control. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to try to... What, yeah. what did I gain... From grabbing that control, hmm. but did it calm you down? Did it? I think there were moments, honestly, Jason, where I felt really bad, and I wanted them to feel bad, hmm. or to understand that I was suffering in some way. Okay. Like I'm in pain, I'm going to do something that shows you that I am in a really difficult process right now, yeah. and that's the best way for me to do it. Yeah. This was before the tools. No, okay. yeah, like, it, it, <laughs> but it makes sense too yeah. to say. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going through this, and I'm going to show you what I'm going through mm -hmm. because, um, well, because it's really difficult yeah. and really painful. Um, and then, if you kind of fast forward, then, like, do you, do you remember some moments where maybe you're like, okay, I, I'm actually starting to like me again. I'm starting to like where my where this how I'm filling this blank slate of a oh, life yeah. that I've had. Oh yeah, I mean. Boy, I'll tell you, Jason, you wake up and you're not sick, like you're not unwell and yeah. your body works and it does what you're asking it to do. Mm -hmm. That's an incredible feeling. I really started liking that very quickly. Yeah, you know, that, that, that was amazing to me. Um, the hut trip. I know we've talked about that. It'll always go down in history. It was like, wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm loving being in nature. Like I'm yeah. loving hiking. I don't I'm not a hiker. You know what I mean? I actually really enjoy this. I enjoy socializing with people. These are just things I didn't think I could get without my drug of choice. I didn't think I could be okay in an uncomfortable situation without my drug of choice. Mm. So that, yeah, the hut trip was an awesome experience. The bowling alley, we used to hit the bowling alley all the time. Um, that, this is pre-COVID by the way. Yeah, pre-COVID. Before all of that, yeah. yeah. And we'd just bowl all day, you know, the clients and we would just talk and, you know, exchange stories and like, those are really close bonds that were formed. I'm like, other people are doing this and they want me to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was awesome. Yeah. I climbed a couple 14ers not now too long ago. Now you're just bragging. <laughs> no, I did. I did recently. And, and um, there's like a point where you're, you're going up and you really don't think physically, your first one that you do, you actually don't think you're going to make it. Yeah. But then you start loving it. You start loving it, and then you're like, you can see the top, and you feel even better about it. And um, that's kind of how Pete's felt. It was like the halfway point where I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm not going to die. I can see the top. I can make it to the top. And that's never ended. It's still this trajectory. It's, yeah. still, it's still rolling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, to, so to maybe um, bring this all the way kind of back around, um, to your, to your word and your, your etymology of, uh, addiction. Mm -hmm. 
What's the opposite of addiction? This freedom, just for being free, having having agency over your decision making process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were really ready with that answer, because like I think you're exactly right, and it actually gave me chills. Because yeah. I do think you're right. I think um, that is the other thing that I think recovery has to offer is that freedom. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with that. Um, I think we are going to put this episode uh, away. I appreciate you joining me. Yeah. Um, uh, so with that, I, <laughs> I will invite everyone to please uh, find us on iTunes and Facebook and even YouTube, I think, uh, has this available apparently. <laughs> and, uh, and follow us there. And uh, with that, we'll sign off. Thank you very much.